Hey guys, welcome back to Chat 20, a Roll For It podcast. Uh, you're probably a bit confused. This is Santos Escobar. Uh. <laughs> yeah, there is no edit in this. <laughs> this is absolutely brilliant. Escobar Centuro. I don't know why I think my name is Santos. <laughs> uh, but we are here once again to talk about D&D. Uh, I am joined by the DM guy, Lawrence. That's me. And uh, we want to thank you just for joining us once again. Uh, while we fill the gaps between the releases of our YouTube show. Absolutely. Um, we're already in preparations for a third chapter, uh, which is going to be a one-shot from um, Mitch Murphy, actually, uh, which is coming up soon. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, actually, that's really exciting. <laughs> haven't, played, haven't played with Mitch yet as a DM, obviously. Um, he's actually the one that mentored me. In DMing, you so. did say that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing how he uh, how he goes running this one shot, which I'm particularly looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if from what I've heard about his style, uh, I think the listeners and the watchers are going to be in for a good time. Absolutely. Um, and the intro into this episode now was absolutely fantastic. I'm not editing a single that. We're gonna. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry, Tom, you're on your own on that one. It's been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm thinking a new idea after after just talking about that is uh, blooper reel. Um, I'm going to attempt somewhere in this episode to put on some kind of an accent and see how long it takes for me to revert back into um, either an Irish or... It's just Irish. <laughs> it's generally Irish, yeah. No matter what kind of player, no matter what kind of character Lawrence wants to be. Uh, he starts off strong and he ends up Irish. And, uh, so that'll be a fun game. We'll, set up, we'll start a timer and uh, we'll see how long he can talk in. I don't know, maybe like a like a like an old timey British accent or something. Oh, that's goddamn it, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's no. bullshit, isn't it? Uh, that's more of a chav British accent. But uh, cool. What are we? What are we going to talk about? Um, I know. Well, I, I'm thinking uh, a bit about a. Uh, uh, getting into the whole DM style game, innit? <laughs> He's already doing it. All right, here we go. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good place to probably start today's chat. Uh, we touched on it last time, uh, like the progression from player to DM, um, but we didn't really push any further uh, as far as being a DM goes. So I guess, yeah, what we could talk about today is uh, kind of what goes into being a DM. Uh, you know, if you're interested in DMing, how do you kind of get started? And, um, you know, any tips or tricks that we've got? I'm a relatively new DM. Obviously, you've been running uh, you've been running a campaign for about two years now. So you've got a bit more yeah. experience than I do. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we just give the guys our tips and tricks. Absolutely. Um, just chat about getting started, pretty much. I think it's important to note that every DM has a different style. So you're not going to get one DM. So I've already reverted into my own accent. That's right. So the, challenge hasn't, <laughs> the challenge hasn't started, isn't it? I need more time to prepare, guys. I need more time. <laughs> Go give me some time. Um, yeah, so everyone has a different style. I know that I have a different style from Mitch. I have taken some things on board. Um, he's mentored me in a lot of those kind of ways but I've taken on my own little take on it little spins you'll find that you'll do that as well but it's about starting off small and then building up from there it is yeah no you're right um, when I started DMing I I just did one shots mm. uh, like I I initially had no intention of being a DM and then you know there's not that many people around that want to be a DM so sometimes you struggle to find games so like even just giving myself that experience in being a DM, at least then if there ever came a time that someone needed a DM for a game, like you can step in. Yeah, that's it. And I think like when you're starting off as a DM to, to get to that point, you really want to begin your D and D let's, let's call it a career. I mean, we don't <laughs> some get, people do get paid some, for some it. Some people but. do. Yeah. Some people, <laughs> some people get paid for it. Um, sometimes, you know, and you'll, when you start DMing, you realize there is a little bit of work involved. So sometimes <laughs> it, it will feel like a career. Yeah. Uh, which is a whole whole new topic. <laughs> which I think is a really good one. Um, but I think when you're starting off in this journey of D&D, that's a better term for it, journey. Mm. Uh, when you're starting off in this journey, um, you're better off starting off as a player. 
because going in as a player means you get to get a feel for how a game runs, mm. um, how the friends that you're playing with, um, you know, interact with the world that the DM is uh, facilitating for you. Because really, what the DM's job is is a facilitator for that kind of creativity. It's yeah. never um, any DM that says no, no, no. It goes my way and only my way. Should only be writing novels or that stories yeah. and movies, which are fantastic, <laughs> but they're not DD. I think no. they're more facilitators for story building and stuff like that. Yeah, I it, I agree you have to be a player first, purely because you need to know the rules. You need to know the rules, you need to know how to create a fun game and and like you said, the group, if it's the group you're playing with that you end up DMing for, you'll get to see how they kind of do they flaunt the rules a bit? You know, how strict are you going to be with the rules and that? Yeah. Um, but definitely, there's no way I would have come straight in when I started d the like six years ago or something and just DM'd a game straight off. Because yeah. there's a lot. Like There's a lot. Yeah. And I think um, you're always learning. Like, uh, I've been DMing for almost two years and there's always like a thousand things that I'm still picking up or still learning. Or someone will send me a curveball it's like well shit (laughs) I have no preparation for that whatsoever I hate you all (laughs) you need to to, yeah you need to love having like your plans ruined because that's what happened like you said you can sit down and you can write you can write a story you can build a world and you can say oh this is what's going to happen you know they're going to go here they're going to do this they're going to kill this person happy days and the second session in, they could just derail everything. Yep. Like, so <laughs> prepare, <laughs> prepare to have your hard work just like ruined, uh, you know, but yeah. And that's where it kind of, it kind of benefits you to be a player first as well, because if you, especially if you play with an experienced DM, mm. you can see the way that they kind of easily transition into another kind of plot thread. If, if the players just do something that completely screws their plan. Absolutely, and I was, t- I was telling Simon that uh, one of the uh, biggest DM tips I think I can give any DM is it's called the going to the bathroom technique. So if you're ever stuck, right, if you're ever stuck for like an idea or someone's thrown something or they haven't exactly gone in with your um, with an expectation that you might have had, you're like, that's cool, you're going with what they're doing, how I'm going to improvise this particular part. Which happens. We, all, um, we can do all the preparations in the world, but there's going to be those parts that you improvise. Yeah. So the going to the bathroom technique is simply, oh, I'm just going to go to the toilet, throw it back. So you take yourself off for five minutes to do your business, or you, however long you want to... Then you wanna... cry on the toilet. <laughs> and then you cry. You and ruined then... all your hard work. <laughs> <laughs> and then you come to the acceptance part of the process. Yes. And you come back and um, it actually gives you a few minutes of valuable thinking time. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And you play it none the wiser. I mean, I've just spilled the beans on the the DM secrets. Yeah, so. Man. So, yeah. Now I know, like, because I gonna, can't go to the toilet tonight. We're going to play a session after this uh, of your campaign. So when we get halfway through the session, and you're like, "Sorry, guys, I just got to go to the bathroom." Going to be like somebody at this table fucked up his plans. Oh, uh, yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's a great tip. That's yeah. a, that's a good tip. Uh, like a lot of people can get flustered. Uh, I'm naturally I'm I'm a I'm pretty good with you know improvising. Yeah. Obviously, having done theater and stuff, so it's not such a big deal for me if plans change. But for other people who are just freshly getting into D and D, especially if you read yeah. from like a module, like if you're doing like a module campaign, where yeah, that's it. You've got these like, and if you're a new DM, you're reading from the book. You're like. Oh, and then, you know, you walk into this room and it's 10 feet wide and blah, blah, blah. It's harder to improvise on those because you're so reliant on the source material. It is. Um, Especially if, like, you do the amount of preparation you feel is what you're going to get through uh, in the session. And then they've either powered through it and you get to the end of your preparation and you're like, oh, well, hell. (laughs) What am I... What are we going to do now? (laughs) So guys, uh, this is great. We've got another couple of hours. I won't. I won't. I don't want to. I don't want to say because I don't want to ruin the mystique. But the session of my the campaign that I've just started running, we did the second session last Wednesday, and that happened. Uh, we got way further than I had planned. <laughs> um, so the whole last like hour of the session was just me making shit up on the top of my head. 
I uh, loved it though. That was fair. I didn't even notice. Yeah, I? well, see, right. it's just lucky that I've 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 got that natural ability to do that. But yeah. some people don't like, and that's a great time to go. Oh yeah, okay. I'll just duck to the bathroom. Yeah, and then you can brainstorm and go. Oh well, what should they do next? You learn. Yeah, stuff like that. that. That's another thing I recommend too is don't get bogged down in specifically what's in the book. If it comes to improv and there was this whole thing that you maybe want to try, but um, it wasn't in the book, don't worry about it. Remember, when you're behind the DM screen, they don't know what you've planned. They mm. don't know that you've uh, run out of ideas. So as long as you maybe throw um, something out, out of the blue, like they get ambushed on their journey home, mm. or maybe something else happened. or some Random sort of encounters. Random encounters. Yeah, random encounters are your friend. Um, exactly they are they are absolutely fantastic and remember um your players do not know what you're rolling behind the screen um that's another pro dm tip if you if if the people at the table are giving you the shits uh just start rolling dice <laughs> like if they're not paying attention or something like that just start rolling dice and then wait till they look at you and then just make sure you follow through with some of that though because uh, you do that too <laughs> often they start looking like ah oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's just rolling dice yeah, now yeah. follow through like eventually just chuck down that uh, red dragon you've been threatening for yeah, yeah. sessions if, prior if your players won't get off their phones then you just ask for a group perception check and then next thing yeah like a, an ancient red dragon lands in the middle of the the party's camp uh, don't do that no. <laughs> unless they're like a level 20 and go for gold uh, I we were yeah so that's a good point you made about prep uh, you know you think you've got the right amount and then either you don't, you can breeze through it or you might not even get there. So like ideally as a, your, for you having your experience as a DM, how much prep would, do you kind of put in for our sessions are about four hours. So how much prep time do you kind of put in for a four hour session? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good point. So I guess I do a lot of homebrew. So what we're doing tonight is a homebrew where I build my own world and it's uh, build my own story. So it runs a little bit different to maybe what I would prep for a module. But um, generically, I'd put in maybe half an hour to 40 minutes worth of preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, just me recapping what happened in the previous session um, and then building on from there where I want it to uh, progress to. And because it's so open world... I need to um, have like a small like area of preparation around where they may go. They might go to like um, a city or they might go further down into a dungeon or they might have to figure something out. Um, they're currently in sort of like a dungeon area. They're in like the deep mines. So um, you always got to sort of balance it. You don't want too much preparation where uh, you're not leaving a lot of space for improv- improvisation yeah. or change. You don't want too little either. You don't want just a couple of dot points. Yeah, so actually, it's, a, it's a fine balance. Like, yeah, it, you, it, you'll usually find mm. that if you go all out, so you're a brand new DM, you're running a campaign, you've got a session on Wednesday, so you spend all your free time Monday afternoon and Tuesday afternoon prepping. And yeah. you do like a, a more, you put in more hours prepping than the session's going to be. And then <laughs> half your stuff doesn't even get used. That can be, yeah, not a good experience. I know Tom's uh, very good at not doing uh, meta, which is why I'm going to explain this. There's going to be a few encounters in tonight's session. So planning for that, I allow uh, 45 minutes to an hour uh, to completely finish the big encounters, maybe half an hour for the smaller smaller ones. Um, I allow time for roleplay. I allow time for inner party... Um, chat but the other thing you should account for when you're prepping sessions in my opinion is um, outside of game chat so when the players come and sit down or they're eating dinner or they're yeah. um, just talking about table talk uh, table talk yeah um, um, to allow for table talk which um, not every you know some DMs don't like that uh, some groups just they want to get together and play other groups yeah. uh, like I think we spoke about this last time I was on the chat was we generally say like kick off at seven, but yeah. then because we were all such good friends, you know, seven thirty, seven thirty rolls around and we're yeah. all still catching up, and <laughs> talking shit and having a laugh and stuff. But that's right too, yeah. Because um, the way that I run games, the way that I run for groups and stuff like that is with friends first, mm. D and D close second. 
Now, I love D&D, don't get me wrong, I do. But what's more important is that D&D is a social game. You're sitting around a table with friends. Um, and that, at its core, is where it's, uh, where it's strongest. If you're sort of talking more professional D&D or um, you're paid to run a kind of event, maybe there is a little bit less table talk. Mm. Maybe you do allow a little bit less. But you've got to always account for some, especially if you're playing with friends, because... The last thing you want to be as a DM is like, no, 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 no. You got, you got to stop talking now. It's serious time, it's D and D time. Because yeah. when you turn it into a serious task, especially if uh, everyone's not that way aligned, it takes away from the most important aspect of it. We, yeah, which is that social, yeah, that social connection. Yeah, yeah. So I think it is important to allow a little yeah, bit you're right. for yeah. the like these kind of sessions. I think it's always important. Yeah. Um, so if I'm trying to cram in four hours, I'm really effectively aiming for three hours. Um, and I can always stretch things out or lessen something as well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's probably the best bit is don't do too much prep. Don't do too little. Yeah. I mean, I probably do a little less prep than you do. Um, I, I'm the kind of person where stuff just comes to me. Um, different people function differently. I know some people that run games, uh, you know, they'll do their session Say we do a fortnightly session, right? And mine's on a Wednesday. So they would do the de- the session on the Wednesday and then they'd go home and like take notes of what happened and then um, and then spend like a, spend the next day like prepping. Like I just let it come to me. Yeah. Because we've got two weeks between games. So I would say I just wait. If it, like an idea pops into my head, I'll note it down. That kind of stuff. And then when it gets closer to game day, Probably, yeah, like a half hour. I'll sit down and just get my notes together, print off all the stat blocks that I need, that kind of stuff. But I'd say between sessions, I'd probably put max like an hour of prep work into a session. But it's broken down into like, like I could be driving to work and just an idea pops into my head. Like a a cool little story arc or I could be watching a movie and then like something really cool happens in the movie and I'm like, oh, that could fit into my game and I'll just pop out a little notepad and write it down. So yeah, Yeah, just that's kind of how I prep. Uh, It's just what, what it's, I prep in my head, like, and then I just make notes closer to the day. Yeah. So I do a little bit of both as well. So I'll start thinking about the previous sessions, um, occurrences, um, like, and then find like you know, tidbits of that, tidbits of that. Mm-hmm. Go, hey, this was really cool. I want to start, uh, put a little bit of emphasis on that this session. I want to put a little bit of emphasis on this. Um, which brings me to another point, actually. This is what I'm starting to do more. We we kind of are getting grossed um, and engaged with what you're doing as a DM and constant like writing down health points and take mm-hmm. them away. That you sort of forget to take your own notes about the session that's just been had. I find I've started relying a little bit on recaps, but the best thing I've started to do and started getting into more is um, I'm on my computer a lot, so I'll start putting dot points of things that are occurring. Yeah. And then I build the recaps off the dot points, and then from the recaps, I can actually... Ah, cool. So this is like the major things that are happening. I can prep for this. Yeah. It's like um, it's like the branching storylines thing. So, yeah. And... It, you, it, this is. I think uh, this might be a, di- a little bit of a divergence from that, but uh, it's it's good to take notes of interesting stuff that happens. Um, it could be stuff you didn't plan, yeah. But then something happens at the table, and 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 that could open up a whole other story. Hmm. So you make a note of that, and then it's like, I know half the time it's just like a random NPC, and the party gets really attached to this NPC, <laughs> and then you're like, hmm, I could. You know, this one random emphasis. <laughs> one of the one shots I yeah. did leading up to my campaign, you know, I introduced just the most off the cuff, like at the time, homebrewed goblin NPC with like the, just the dumbest name. And he sold, like, <laughs> he sold fake magical items and the yep. party loved him so much that they convinced him to go on their adventures and stuff. So yep. obviously I'm going to include him in the campaign now, you know, when they find him. Uh, which wouldn't have happened but they just loved him so much so then I just made a note of that and I was it's like, weird what your players hold on to sometimes uh, isn't it you can you can throw all like all the hints and stuff at them like you know <laughs> focus on this like this is what you need to do but if they love a, if they love an NPC like yeah, they're gonna they're gonna gravitate towards it or you know a, a, like a town like a specific town yeah 
I mean, you might have created this whole elaborate um, plot hooks and plot line and stuff like that, but then they sort of go on this divergent, and that divergent becomes a whole thing. Um, so I never expected my players to go through like the whole medallion that they found at this uh, market store when they're playing this um, evil campaign. And this medallion was actually a cursed item that um, was helded with uh, Slandre Odaunt. Mm. Yeah. originally and it became I, like a whole big thing based around yeah. that and it was like yeah it was fantastic I'm going to be honest I don't even know what your original plans were for that evil <laughs> like just a quick recap for the people who are listening so Lawrence ran a, an evil campaign uh, and it was loosely based around Lord of the Rings yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, we did a one shot where we where we where we killed a dragon in the mountain took its eggs and got, took them back to the Dark Lord and then it just continued on from there and a few sessions in <laughs> We were just like, let's just let's just take over and build an army and just 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 take over the world. Like, we don't even know what Lawrence had planned for us. But I out, mean, of, out of the blue, I was just like, I'm gonna just go kill like the war chief and take his spot, and then we're gonna build an army and take over the world. And Lawrence was like, Yeah, cool. Fuck the rest of my planning. Like, I don't. I don't. Was always going to be like a version of a BBEG. It was always going to be. Um, this big bad evil guy for those who don't know the reference there um he was always going to be this figure but the thing about how I like to run games is very sandbox like so I actually see how my players interact with the game and it kind of creates a story as they go Hmm. um I've always got like what the BBGs are doing in the back of my mind I've always got like notes on uh what their motives are what their ideals are what their personality is and behind the scenes, I always warn my players that they're, they're not just going to be hanging around waiting for them. They're mm. actually physically doing something. So if they're yeah. not responding to it, things happen. But uh, it became a big thing. And I could see that a huge focus was, yeah, taking over Morkoth. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was like, that is a fantastic idea. That was the, um, the player's idea. Yeah. And I wanted to continue to foster that idea into um, something that was actionable. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, we, you kind of gave us I a plan for slate. I don't even know if you had like intentions of what was going to happen, or you just we did a one shot and we loved it so much, and then you were just like, "Cool, let's just make it up." But uh, we had a lot of fun. Like we were just we yeah. just did our thing. We were like, "Cool, let's build an army, take over the world, make some deals with a genie along the way." Like, um, and it ended up being a really good campaign. You know that we yeah. really enjoyed. There was a lot of emotional moments. Um, yeah. No, it's probably one of the best experiences of a campaign that I've been in. Oh, fantastic. I'm glad that it's had that um, that feel to it, which is always my intention. Yeah. But yeah, um, if you don't get them, you know, if you can't, if you can't foster some kind of like emotional investment, hmm. then your players are going to struggle to, to enjoy it as well. So it's, that's something I felt quite strong in when I was running that session. Well, those sessions was the emotional hmm. stuff. There was that emotional attachment. Uh, your relationship with the necromancer as Kozak. Yes. Um, yeah. See, and that that right there is like um, just just the, this, like you said, it's like a sandbox. It's like my character yeah. from the start was literally just a henchman, like who worked for the essentially Sauron, the necromancer. Um, just was his hired gun to just kill people and be his bodyguard, pretty much, and then you know ended up leading an army and ended up sacrificing himself you know to save his friends so through that sandbox because you didn't just pigeonhole us to this story and we built yeah. a story as we went we were able to kind of have those moments yeah exactly and that, that's why I like throwing a lot of like uh, um, sandbox homebrews and stuff like that is because it does enable the players to create the story as well and, mm. and be like a huge part of that um, and create these ideas that are fostered um, not from me, but from them. And then having taken ownership of it, um, you've accomplished a lot within that time. Um, Odont was always going to be a villainous piece in that. But yeah, there was a there was a lot that was like, okay, cool, I'm going to cross that out because this is where they're more aligned, their focus is, yeah. their wants are. Yeah. Um, and I guess that comes to another tip is... As a DM, listen to what your players' needs are, what they um, what they want, how, how they want to interact with the world. 
Yeah. I mean, in saying that, don't give them, like, stupid shit at level one. Like, you know... <laughs> yeah, don't. Like, if, if you're listening to their players and, and, and the players are like, yeah, give us, broke, give us, like, a plus three sword and, like, and, and you know, adamantine armor at level one. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely, it's, it's collaborative. It's, it's collaborative. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. If, like... You see how your players are interacting with... Even if it is a module, see how they interact with it. Um, get a feel for what their uh, personalities are and what they are interested in. Their backstory is always good to look at. It's like what emotional points. Mm. Um, because emotion has a huge role in player and DM interactive, uh, interactiveness. Yeah. yeah, uh, it, Huge. Yeah, it, it's what makes D&D um, like what it is. Like, as we said last time, it's more than a game. It's more than a game. games don't get that kind of emotional attachment. I've made one of my players cry. Um, like, like, because... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Let's go back. <laughs> uh, Character. Sorry, Rihanna. Sorry, going uh, back, that uh, wasn't like a mean thing. We're just bullying our players. And like, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. None of that. It's, he was just like, you don't know how to play d and You know, you're suck. the worst. You suck. You suck. No, you're the worst. It goes off crying. You're so yeah. slow at maths as well. It's like, <laughs> no, oh. I should um, point out just a full disclaimer that I'm not advocating at all any form of bullying or harassment. But if you can but make your pl- if you can make your players cry, you're doing a good thing. <laughs> uh, provided it's for the right reasons. Exactly the Which. right reasons, not because you're bullying. We deplore that. What we are talking about is building on their backstories and featuring their backstories in. Mm. Um, we had this whole interaction with a deceased party, in-game deceased party member. Mm. Um, please don't bring up their real life deceased members or family or whatever, because that will be very traumatic. Um, we're talking about (laughs) in-game party member Ah. deceased. Uh, these sort of like, sort of memory sequences and I brought up this little sort of flashbacks that sort of, uh, brought back different memories and Mm. interactions with other players and it was an emotional point. Everyone was invested in that. And this this player, like, it was a very emotional experience for her. So she did get a little bit sort of on the on the teary front about that. But that's she hated you. She was not happy. <laughs> she hated. Uh, she was not happy at the time. But I'm still sure she hasn't forgave you completely. Because um, it was like our first session back from a big COVID break as well. And, uh, and then like she was literally the last surviving original like party member. <laughs> it was all a little. And then like all of her like dead friends were like coming back in a dream. Like remember us. Oh god! When you put uh, it that way, <laughs> it was. But you don't. I've never seen anyone cry while playing Skyrim. Like, yeah. uh, you know, and everyone said, you know, role playing games, tabletop role playing games. Like, it's just, it's just Skyrim on paper. But it's not. It's not. It, it's yeah, not, yeah, you don't get those reactions. You don't because you you find that you invest a lot in your characters because you're actually role-playing them yourselves. Well, you build them from the ground up. Yeah. You know, they're yours. They're they're some kind of manifestation of like a bit of your personality or something. I think there's always just that tad like droplet of truth behind every like reality behind every Uh, character. Yeah, 100%. Like... uh, That's like a direct like challenge too for people that make edgy rogues is like... A little part of you wants to just go and sit in the corner and tell everyone about how your parents died in a, in a fire. And <laughs> you were raised in an orphanage. Oh god, is that a, no? Is that a fantasy you have a lot there, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, gee, we diverged a little bit, <laughs> which is going to be a huge theme with these um, chats. <laughs> I don't even know how we got into the topic of making people cry. Emotional investment. Emotional investment. Um, yeah. Planning um, sandbox. Yeah, sandbox planning. Uh, I had a point when you when you mentioned that you always had it in your mind that that Slandra Daunt the genie was gonna be a BBEG in some capacity. Yeah. That's another tip that you'll read everywhere and you've picked up is I think they call it like the the teleporting the teleporting tower tip. So pretty much uh, the way it goes is say your party gets a job, you know. There's a tower to the south. Um, you know, you've got to go clear, like, bandits and monsters out of it. 
Um, and then they're like, oh, now stuff that. Like, let's go north and like check the swamps up north. Guess what's up north in the swamps? The tower. <laughs> like a, a tower with bad guys in it. Like yeah. if you're really, you know, if you're really stuck and there's a certain kind of thing you want to do, that's probably a bad analogy. But yeah. Uh, so I think what you're trying to say is like if they divert to a different, like that you hadn't prepped for, that your tower's down in the south, you hadn't prepped for them to go north. Yeah. And Just they decided for stuff, whatever reason yeah. they went north. That goes back to what I was saying. They don't know what's behind your DMs. That's right. Yeah. Just um, move what whatever was going to happen down south. Yeah. Just move it up north. They don't right. know that you're prepared for it to be down yeah, south. Yeah, they don't know what how far through your preparations you are. Like, yeah. if there's a particular combat that was going to happen, you know, when they reached a certain point traveling south, and then they decide to go north instead. Yeah, just like just, just put that combat it. up there. You're like, they unless you know, know you have got everything prepared, in which case, good for you. <laughs> uh, but that's more of a tip for like a newbie. Yeah. I remember it's. I advise that you keep some sort of topics to you, like to yourself as a DM. Like you don't want to. Um, what I mean is, you don't want to tell your players a hundred percent of what your schemes and your plans are. No. Um, you don't want to let them know everything that's behind the screen. That there are um, like a little sort of trade secrets, so to speak. Mm. Um, but like I can talk about like sort of small sort of plot points with Tom. He does with me sometimes too because um, we know that we don't meta. Yeah, um, metagaming's the worst. It is. It's well, like, the, <laughs> yeah, look, if yeah. that's your style, and then fair enough, but... Yeah. yeah. I guess it's just, like me and Simon were talking about the other day, like going into murder hobos. So murder hoboing is when you decide to go around and kill whatever NPC Everything. you want to, just Everything. because you want to just go on a... You just want to kill people and do it in your way. Because um, you can't do that in real life. That, <laughs> I find that's the number one reason that murder hobos exist, is because this is their chance to mur- <laughs> murder somebody because they yeah, went into a yeah. shop and the item was too expensive. It's Grand Theft Auto Five on, on in Pretty D&D much. Form. Yeah, yeah. They can't do it in yeah. real life, so it's the first thing they do. It's yeah. Murder hobos. Now, in saying that, if everyone, including the DM, is comfortable with that and they want to make a game around that, that's fine. That's perfectly okay. You make... If everyone's on board with that idea and they want to do that kind of style of game and the DM's like, yeah, that'll, that'll be kind of fun, then that's fine. But if one member, one or two, one member doesn't want to do it, well, then they're going to have a pretty miserable time. They're not going to be able to engage in a story when other players around them yeah. are just killing everything. Yeah. So that's a, that's a conversation to have with your players. I guess that's another big point is talk to your players. Talk to, um, and players, talk to your DM. Yeah, yeah, you and know, we just, kind of touched on this when we spoke about yeah. getting into D and D. You know, making sure you find a game that's right for you. Exactly. You know, if you want to role play, and the party that you're with doesn't want to role play, you know, hmm. you can speak to the DM, or you know, if you can just find another group. Like, works the same if you're a DM. That you know, that's why it's important to have some kind of session zero. Yeah. To work out what the players want to achieve. Do they want combat do they want emotional moments do they want role play like uh it's important to make sure everyone's on the same page <laughs> exactly and um one of my big things too my big sort of tips for you guys starting off in dming or um even coming into dnd is communicate talk uh if there's a problem you're having with a player as, as a dm or um you're having a problem with certain things that are going on within the game just talk, you know, you're, you're all um, human beings. You're mm. all able to talk in the human language. Mm. Most of our listeners, because we do advertise this as explicit, most of you would be um, either adults or very close to being adults. Mm. Um, or the teenager version of adults where... <laughs> where like, yeah, I'm an adult, what are you talking about? You know, like, <laughs> what do you mean? Mm. What do you mean I'm just 15? No, um, you're all able to talk mm. and don't feel bad about bringing someone up and saying, hey, look, I don't really feel comfortable with how that happened. Um, you know, can we mix it up to being this? Mm. Whatever it is, like, you know, that maybe they're killing too many of your NPCs and you want to bring that up and say, look, um, you're, bringing, you're, you're doing a lot of this. There are going to be consequences or like in-game consequences. Yeah, there's also, um, the, magic, just, yeah. There's also the magic word, no. Exactly, that's the word, no. Like, I know it's a joke to, like, 
make every shopkeeper a retired level 20 fighter <laughs> or a retired level 20 barbarian or something so when your party goes in there and tries to murder them but you could just say like no like you can't just kill everyone you want and if they don't if if they if they want to be murder hobos hmm. like so bad that they're not gonna take what you're saying to heart then like they can find a new game yeah and I, I've had uh, there's a game called Curse of Strahd there's a module called hmm. Curse of Strahd right um, they went to a town. I can never pronounce it, so I do apologise for all the uh, D and D aficionados out there. Or, um, but Velaki. Now I'm bound to have got that wrong. <laughs> so you feel free to laugh at me in your own time. Just flame me in the comments. <laughs> That's fine. Just flame me in the comments. It's yeah. fine. I'm fine. No, we don't condone bullying. <laughs> no bullying. That's it. Don't hurt my feelings, guys. And Come you know on. That's, uh, just a little side <laughs> note. Just a little side note there. Like, Curse of Stride is a pre-existing module, right? But as soon as you pick it up and start running it, it's your world. Yeah. So if that's not the right way to pronounce that town, guess what? In your world, it is. Yeah, that's just exactly. a little. That's just a little. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So yeah, take that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so guess what? That's how it's pronounced in Lawrence's Curse of Stride. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So getting back to that. Uh, I had a player that was uh, that was sick. They had lycanthropy. Uh, there were werewolves in this game, believe it or not. Spoiler alert! Uh, too late. Anyway. <laughs> oh no! It's good. Bye. <laughs> um, so they went to this doctor and like they weren't a high enough cleric to be able to cure that lycanthropy. They'd only just gotten it, and in my own head, my own sort of notes. I wanted them to reach a different town to get the cleric that they needed just to give them a little bit of chance to sort of go through that mm. rather than just sort of getting in and then instantly removing it. Yeah. Um, anyway, they go in there expecting this to be removed. He was like, nah, I'm, go- I'm going to go and like threaten you now and continue to try and threaten this NPC. I was like, cool. You've drawn your, your weapon. Now he's um, sort of moving backwards slowly and he's screaming for the guards. Which, if you're being threatened by you know, in your life and your, your town where you've got guards all around yeah. the place, the first thing you're going to be doing is screaming for help. Yeah. Um, and that's what he did. He screamed for help. And the guards, the guards came. Now, he was about to defend himself, but then he realized that the other players were not helping him. They um, they were nearby and they'd seen what had, what was going down and they were just like yeah no we don't have any part in this. Uh, I didn't plan for that. I didn't talk to them about that. That was not at all set up. They chose not to assist their party member yeah. despite the fact they gave like every opportunity to respond to what was happening. Um, so he ended up sort of putting his sword down and then surrendering. He had tomatoes thrown at him while he was in the stockade <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then we're pretty much kicked out of the town yeah the point is they take the laws very seriously in that town mm. um, because of the situation they were in I don't want to sort of talk too much about it because uh, it's a great game and you should either run it or play in it and um, experience it for yourself but the point is there was a consequence for it. it wasn't just like, oh yeah, smack on the wrist. That's actually pretty serious. Like they could, that was the first town of safety in a long while. Yeah. That they can get to. Yeah. The next place was like a week or two weeks of journey with like heaps of random encounters. Yeah. Heaps of things that are going on. Um, and they just lost a whole valuable um, town of answers that they could have found clues or hints or yeah. plot points. Uh, all which affect later on so don't be scared of having certain in-game consequences I always warn my players that there are going to be consequences for your actions or inactions positive mm. versus negative yeah. um, connotations for what you how you interact with the game yeah no, that's right yeah making sure you yeah you have a way to to keep things under control like that yeah. is always yeah like you can be the DM that's just like you know, after they kill your third innocent shopkeeper, you can just throw your hands up and be like, okay, whatever, just do whatever you want. Or, yeah, the guards come. Well, like, they sent, um, they put up posters for bounty yeah, hunters. Guess what? You, yeah, the bounty you hunters. You now wanted. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Or you can just say no, you know, or you can even have a chat out of game and just say, look, yeah. like, especially if it's a homebrew world you've made, 
and you know the players are just coming in and like just killing everyone yeah. for the fun of it and then yeah have a chat with them and just say like you know it's not cool yeah yeah they get a couple of options there you either okay well you all want to do this I see that's something big do you want to make a game where it um, is all about murder hoboing and then we can set that up or you might say well that's a that's actually a deal breaker for me I mm. want to do this it's like is that is that going to be a deal breaker for you I don't think I would ever do um, a game just for murder hoboing no no because then just, you're just doing combat it's not like, interesting to me no it's not like yeah, it, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna just kill this guy behind the bar because I can. You know? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, don't do it. <laughs> That's my pro tip. Is just don't. If do you're it, a player, yeah. don't be a murder hobo, and if you're a DM. Don't allow it. Don't I mean, put up with it. You know, unless that's exactly what you and all your friends want to do. In yeah. which case, but, even in, even when we played, I mean, your, the campaign I spoke about earlier that you ran where we were evil. We weren't. We were evil, and we weren't murder hobos. Yeah, like there's a way. There's a way to be. I feel like players, especially, as soon as their alignment goes evil, they're like, "Wow, well, I'm just gonna kill everyone." Like, there is no such thing as chaotic stupid. Like, like even when you're like. Even a chaotic evil person isn't yeah. just going to murder a shopkeeper in broad daylight. Just like, because they want, just cause they want yeah. to. <laughs> like, if they're, yeah. They might do it at night when there's no one around, but, you know, they're not just going to go and murder Hobo and then fight with 15 guards. Yeah. Like, if the guards come, they're going to run or they're going to surrender. Like, if I go neutral evil, I always talk to the DM first and say, well, this is why I'm neutral evil. It's because I know that I need to steal food to survive and I've. Um, got this flaw now where I like shiny things and because it became so good at stealing um, I'm now obsessed with stealing shiny things my intentions are always good I always want to help the party I always want to help people but I can't help myself when it comes to um, is an evil thing to do but there is a there is a reason for it and I explain why there's a reason for it you're Um, not just murder hoboing for nothing like or pickpocketing everybody that you see like yeah yeah yeah. I'm not doing I'm not doing things that are going to directly cause a problem and even um, and I'll even add too that I don't steal from other players Uh, yeah I only steal like shiny things from maybe a shop or something like that that's another point to DMs starting out when you when you have your session zero work out work out how everyone feels about PvP uh, player versus player is what PvP means for those that aren't initiated. Um, because unless everyone's into it, if you do it, it, you just come across as a massive, like, just asshole, pretty much. <laughs> so when I when we did the session zero for my fortnightly Wednesday campaign, I said, look, we can do PvP. I said, if you want to fight, you know, if if a role play session gets hectic and then it comes to blows, like. We can do PvP, but you won't die. Yeah, you know, exactly. You, your character won't die. I said, but you know, you, but you can't just be like, oh, I'm gonna like Lawrence can't just be like, oh, I'm gonna punch like Bruce's character because I feel like it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't steal from your party members unless you know everyone's into. Yeah, yeah. And remember, doing stuff like that provokes PvP. So if I went and stole um, some characters like treasured item that was an heirloom from their parents and I went ahead and stole that and say the DM allowed that to happen mm. and I rolled really well with my sleight of hand um, they might have either seen it or they might have learnt later on Yeah, but you're already creating a dynamic with the other player um, that your character can't be trusted mm. that your character is a menace to the party and a risk for stealing other things so you've you've opened the door to player versus player because that's going to descend very quickly into well, fine then. You're not going to give me my thing back. I'm going to kill you and I'm going to take it myself. Or I'm going to... Um, it forms this conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, D&D is not a competitive game. It's a cooperative yeah. game. Uh, I will make one alteration to what I said about not stealing from your, from your party members. The first ever campaign I played in um, was uh, The Lost Minds of Fendelva. Um, and one of our party members was a uh, she was faking being a cleric when <laughs> she was actually a warlock uh, and throughout the throughout the game after certain 
after lo- certain long rests or certain like moments of like like high action um like we would be told that the next time we like counted our coins we were missing like two gold pieces or something uh. and it turned out that this character as part of their story was trying to get enough money to make a like a like basically an offering to their god um and if it's part of the story that's fine and then when we found this player out they gave all the gold back that's okay what's not okay is just walking through a town and then being like i'm gonna pickpocket lawrence's character like yeah yeah there's chaotic and then there's lawful and chaotic yeah yeah and if it's part of the story and it's there's a reason for it then yeah yeah i guess that's my one alteration to that but yeah if you're the kind of player that's just like oh i'm fucking bored like i'm just gonna stab jimmy like <laughs> yeah don't do it yeah don't don't do it it's it's also not fun for the other people around the table they're trying to get engrossed in the story or trying yeah. to um trying to role play the characters really well um you know they're not going to be very happy when that's constantly interrupted with pvp rubbish mm. i've had that happen once before and i've ha- I had to actually pull the two players aside because it did get in game they were arguing quite a bit and this was going on for a little bit. I was like, okay, we need to move on from this. Uh, but after the game, I was like, I, I need to have a talk with you two guys because, look, um, it's one thing to have inter-party conflict, which there always is going to be. Any new group working together will eventually have some kind of conflict, but there's always a reason for them to come together as a team. They were not, and it was becoming disruptive, and that's what I explained to them was um, it is uh, was quite disruptive in this session, I just want to make sure that you guys are feeling okay out of game as well with each other. You know, is there, um, is there something that's going on out of the game? They, they all claim that they were fine. But sometimes yeah. these things happen. And again, it comes back to communication. So yeah. I talked to them outside of the rest of the group and said, look, you know, what's going on? What can, what can we, I do to support you? This is what I expect of you. But is there something that you expect of me? Hmm. Um... Yeah, yeah we're not saying that you have to be like a professional counselor to be a DM. <laughs> God no. But you have to. Yeah, there has to be. It's a cooperative game, and and the, the 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 DM, the players, everyone has to be on the same page yeah. and aligned. Because if, as you said, if if half the party wants to role play and the other half just find role play dull, there's going to be times when not everyone's having fun. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Make sure you're all on the same page. You have a session zero and you talk about it. And, yeah. And if, if, if it's a role play heavy thing and two people just want to smack shit, like, <laughs> go to a different group. Like, exactly. Yeah. You got to figure out what works well for Start you. Start your own group. You know? you know, that's where you can become a DM. Yeah. If you want to just run, like, it's not, it's not so hard to just run a, a campaign where you just fight things because then you're not really thinking about the story. <laughs> you're just planning 50,000 combats. Um, absolutely. And sort of coming back to like NPCs and interesting encounters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always had an issue, Tom, in keeping goblins tamed and on a lead. It's a constant issue when they chew through the hemp and rope well, they have and manacles. It's funny you should mention that, Lawrence, because I've brought along something very special today. Oh, really? Uh, no sorry way. that I want to share with you guys and, and the listeners, and this will be coming up on a Kickstarter pretty soon. It's called the Goblin Tamer 9000. The Goblin Tamer the 9000. The Goblin Tamer 9000. So I found that I was always having issues uh, when I took my goblin out for a walk at night that uh, he would chew through the rope and escape or... He would pick the lock on his manacles. And yeah, run that's that's yeah. my issue, right? Exactly. So the, never keep them tamed. Like it was the, a- <laughs> the Goblin Tamer Nine Thousand features a patented built-in shock collar uh, <laughs> with anti-tampering technology. So as soon as the goblin tries to grab it, it'll give him a zap. Uh, look, it's changed my life. Uh, the rope itself has anti-bite technology uh, that will actually, <laughs> if the goblin tries to chew through it, it will actually blunten their teeth. Huh, no way. Yeah. And uh, how much is it for this thing? Like, Where can I get my hands on it? Today, you can get one Goblin Tamer 9000 for 
You can get a second one for half price when you call our call line and quote the code GOBTAM, G-O-B-T-A-M. <laughs> and if you do buy two in the next hour, you'll also get a free set of unpickable manacles. Now, Tom, I do have a quite a serious question for you here. Were the goblins at all um, hurt in the creation of this process? Look, uh, no. The product was not tested on any, uh, on any goblins. Uh, there was no animal testing and uh, it was cruelty-free. Uh, but it is 100% guaranteed to work or your money back. That's fantastic. And soon my players are going to forgive me for constantly losing their goblin pets. Um, because of this new Goblin Tamer 9000, um, which I'm very excited to... It's, uh, <laughs> it has changed my life. Uh, walking my Goblin used to be a chore, and now it's now it's actually the, my favourite part of the day. And I noticed too, I was just searching it up, it has an app that goes with it. You can actually program exactly the right amount of shock for the uh, shock. Yeah, color. the that app does incredible. everything. So the app can track your walks. So it'll tell you how long you walked, how far you walked and your average pace per kilometer. Um, but you can also set the shock level and the sensitivity level on the shock collar. So if you've got a particularly feisty goblin, uh, the slightest like jolty movement might set it off with a nice big shock. But if your goblin's a bit more tame and getting on in years, uh, you can turn the sensitivity down a little bit and just give them a little zap. Wow, that is impressive. I can't wait for this uh, to be funded and um, approved because that will change everything for me and my players. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that is pretty much it for our session. Good I yeah. do... I want to thank you again, Tom, for um, sacrificing your busy schedule to come in here early today. I'm always happy to take a little time out of the day to just chat shop about D&D. It's something we're all passionate about, and um, I know a lot of people just, just love to talk about it, so... Absolutely. Hopefully we'll get a bit more variation in who actually comes on these chats, because so far it's been me... Uh, me, Simon, and then me again. Um, so you might get Mitch, you might get Jimmy, who knows? Uh, the thing is, it's quite um, flexible too. It's whoever's available and it's always good to have like different perspectives and points of views on things. Uh, I've been really enjoying these uh, chats myself. So. No, I have too. And uh, yeah. I mean, if you guys if you guys have enjoyed listening to them, uh, make sure you let us know, leave a comment, uh, leave a like, subscribe, thumbs up, whatever you got to do. If there's a particular topic you want us to talk about, just chuck it in the comments or send us a message. Because, um, yeah. yeah, there's heaps to talk about and we, we haven't even touched the surface pretty much. So And you better subscribe. Yeah. Otherwise, I will unleash my uh, newly tamed goblin, which I tamed with my goblin tamer nine thousand. Yes. Upon right. you, it also has a quick release function. Yeah. A quick. Cri- yes, that's for those right. Situations exactly. Yep. So, uh, do it. Hit the hit the bell. Subscribe. Like us and uh, tune in next time. Absolutely. Farewell and may your d twenties always roll the natural twenty. Um, toodaloo. See ya.